You're listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Beulah Girl podcast. I'm Carol Whitaker, your host, and I'm sitting here with a special guest, Amy Owen. I'm so excited to have Amy joining us. She is going to be doing a series with us, three articles and podcast episodes that are going to basically take us through the month of February. Last week, I talked a little bit about dating and just gave some tips from my own mistakes and some of the things I've learned just in my journey. I've been married now for 18 years, um, but I shared that with you last week. And this week, we're going to be hearing from Amy, and she's going to be kicking off the series kind of on love and sex that we're doing for this month of love in February. We're going to be kicking it off by talking about God's plan for sex and kind of his design for it. And one of the things Amy points out in the article that we're about to discuss is just the idea that if you've grown up in the church or you've grown up in a Christian family, you may have heard, you know, over and over the idea of don't do it, wait until marriage. And that may have been the only message you received, but in the word of God, there's actually a lot that God says about sex and intimacy beyond just wait for marriage. So we're going to be discussing that with Amy. Before we launch into that discussion, I just want to go ahead and introduce Amy. We met at a conference last year. We served on a panel together where I got to know Amy a little bit and hear a little bit of her testimony. Amy is a family counselor. She graduated from the University of Georgia, and then she also went to Richmond where she had training in sex therapy and also family counseling. Amy works now in South Georgia as a family counselor. She works with families and teens and young kids. And so we're just so excited to have her here on the podcast and be able to glean from her experience. Um, she currently is, I guess, an, I don't know, I kind of just think you're a newlywed. She's been married how many years now? Right at five. Five. Okay. That's not really newlywed, but um, so she's been married a few years and is a doggy lover mm-hmm. and also an avid fiction reader. Those are just a few of her interests, but We're just so excited to have her on. And Amy, I want to just start by asking you to share with us where you began to get an interest in God's heart for sex. Mm -hmm. Um, Many people, especially in the Christian community, run away from that topic or just don't talk about it because it's awkward. It is kind of hard. And um, tell us a little bit about how you became interested in talking about that and sharing about that and studying Mm -hmm. about sex and sex therapy. Um, So for me, it's actually a big part of my testimony about how I learned about who God is and what the Bible has to say about who he is as a father um, and just about the law and things like that. Um, So I came into college kind of trying to decide. um, I'd learned a little bit about the Lord, but hadn't grown up in a Christian home. And so um, I came into college trying to decide, do I want to learn more about God that I've been, you know, hearing about, um, or do I kind of want to go the party route where a lot of my friends were going? And so when I started off in college, um, I got plugged into a college ministry through my sister, um, and she brought me to this ministry, and I just fell in love with the Lord. I um, went to this 
prayer meeting. And as I was walking through um, just meeting people, I just got hit with this conviction of sin and just um, drawn into just his loving arms. Um, it just I felt such a freedom that I've never felt before and just kind of dove into the student ministry and got involved there. And as I got involved there, they actually hosted a small group and we called it jokingly sex group. But really what it was was a group to teach about God's heart for sex. Um, and so they really they preached the message not just about you know, just wait until you're married, but let's learn what the Bible actually has to say about sex. Um, you know, what does God want to say to us through his word? Why did he create sex? Um, what's his heart for it really? And so through this group, I met some of my best friends, um, and I really just got to dive into his word, um, whether it be about, you know, why does he ask us to wait on anything or why does he um, set boundaries and um, things like that. And so it was just really foundational for my faith as a new believer to learn um, about sex. And I just became very passionate about it. Um, I was single at the time. And so it didn't really have a very direct correlation as far as practical things, but just learning about his heart that he um, really desires obedience from us because he believes it's what's best for us. And he sets boundaries because he cares for our hearts, um, just captured me. And so um, I loved learning about it from that point. Yes, I love that you point out not only in this article, but this is a three-part series. So there are two other articles that Amy has written that will be coming out after this and podcast episodes that I encourage you to uh, read and then tune into. But there is kind of a theme that you do touch on mm -hmm. throughout. And that is just the idea that God does require obedience and does ask us to, to stay within his guidelines of his word, but it's because of his love for us. And I love that. I heard a preacher mm -hmm. one time say that all of God's mandates of love are love or all of God's lo laws are love. And I know personally growing up as kind of a rebellious young person that for me, I viewed many of the rules or yeah. laws in the Bible as incredibly rigid mm -hmm. and as I've gotten older and I've started to look at them in a different way, I've realized, wow, that yes, the boundaries God has set in place are really for our benefit. Yeah. And when you view them that way, then it doesn't seem so rigid. It seems like, wow, he's really looking out for us. So let's dive into a little bit of God's word and what it says. Mm -hmm. And you've listed three points in your article about um, basically some things that it says in God's word. The first point that you have mm -hmm. is that sex is innately pure. Yes. So talk a little bit about mm -hmm. that. So this is a big one for me because I kind of talk about this in my article, but like when I look into culture and I see TV and media, it just feels like sex has so been overcome by our culture. I look at it and it almost seems like the only times you really see people having sex on TV and things like that, it's promiscuity, it's affairs. It feels like there can't be passion in a pure way. And so I love that. Um, something that's really important to me is to look into Genesis and see how God created sex way before the fall. Um, so he created the first commandment he ever gave Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply. He saw that it was not good for man to be alone and he gave him a helper in Eve. And so God ordained this relationship as a way um, for us to procreate, to be intimate with one another. Um, and it wasn't until the fall that the enemy tried to convince us that there was shame in our sexuality, that there was shame in being naked in front of one another. Um, God actually called us to be one flesh. Um, um, he made us incredibly relational beings, and so it was his will for us to be able to um, engage with one another in this way with our spouse um, and not feel shame, not feel condemnation, but to just know that 
that's the way he created us. It can actually be a worshipful thing when it's done in a place of love and commitment. Um, and other than that, I'm just thinking through how important it is now because we live in a fallen world and um, how hard it is to stay pure. I mean, it's hard to stay pure in our thoughts and our actions because we're so constantly surrounded by um, just the temptation. Um, the enemy's going to take anything that God has used for good and try to twist it for his own purposes. And so now there's such um, a temptation to, you know, whether it be pornography is out there, um, movies, there's so many scenes and things like that. And so Paul's called us in Corinthians to flee from sexual immorality and to pursue that purity. And that is a, that's a, that's a fight we do with the Holy Spirit. We have to engage in that with him in order for us to not sin against each other and our own bodies um, and the Holy Spirit. Right. I love how you just talk about how anything that God has designed can be twisted and distorted. Mm -hmm. Because many of us, we look at that point, sex is, is innately pure. And we think, at least I, you know, when I initially <laughs> read it, you know, a lot of times when I hear the word sex, mm -hmm negative connotations come to mind it, yeah. the connotations of what I'm supposed to stay away from or mm -hmm. what I've been told you know when I was younger um I a, a blog that I really love is um Ann Voskamp and mm -hmm. she um has a blog and it's called theholyexperience.com she's also written some books um 1000 gifts and she also came out with another book recently about I believe it's called the broken way but on her blog one of one of the posts that she had she wrote about the fact that when she got married, mm -hmm. you know, she grew up in a Christian setting mm -hmm. and she very much followed the, you know, the rules of what she was supposed to save herself for marriage. But then when she actually got into marriage, it was so difficult for her to even just let go and just to enjoy that, that mm -hmm. part of marriage with her husband because she had these you know, these rules in her head that she'd been told yeah. for so long that it was hard for her to let go. Mm -hmm. And so I think for all of us that we forget that God did create sex to be, you know, this wonderful thing in the marriage relationship, but that it has been distorted and twisted mm -hmm. so that many of us, our minds go, you know, have these connotations. But yeah, it is something that he designed mm -hmm. for our pleasure within his boundaries. Let's move on to point number two. Mm -hmm. And this is very much along the same lines, and mm -hmm. that is that sex is powerful. Explain what you yes. mean there. Yeah, so um, when I think about just what, again, what we see in the world, you can see the potential for evil and for good. You can see um, for good, you can see couples who just have an intimacy that, you know, you know that they just have probably a really healthy sex life, um, but also you see babies come from sexuality and, and things like that, but then you also see abuse and exploitation and things like that. And so there's just um, such a, basically a dichotomy, I guess would be a word um, to use between those two things that you can see. Um, so I think one of the reasons that sex is so powerful for both good um, and evil is because um, in Ephesians, Paul talks about um, our marriages being a metaphor for Jesus's union with his bride, the church. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So if this act has been given to us, and this marriage in general has been given to us to symbolize 
the ultimate union that we're striving, you know, to emulate in our relationships, then it makes sense to me that it would be attacked so strongly and used for such terrible things as well. Um, But that being said, I mean, even going back to what you were just saying, I think it's so tempting for us to think that, um, you know, sex is bad if we've been taught that our whole life or if we've experienced abuse to associate it with something destructive or something negative or dirty. If that's our experience of it, um, that is, that makes sense that we would think that way. And that's super common. And so um, one of the things that I really encourage is if that is your experience where your experience of sex has been through, you know, whether it be abuse or whether it be that you'd struggled with an addiction to pornography and you're really trying to understand how could sex ever be God's will with me, with my spouse, um, really pressing into that and trying to learn kind of what we're doing today. What does the Bible say about sex? How is it actually good? And really pressing into um, the presence of his people, um, getting with some people who maybe have a healthy sex life or um, who you just know are really seeking after God's heart for sex, who seek after a pure life and just trying to um, learn from them or be with them because there really is a lot of healing in the presence of his people um, and in God's presence. Right. And one of the points you bring out is in your article, and I believe in your, maybe you mentioned it another, uh, maybe it's your third one that we're going to talk about at the end of the series. But one of the things you do mention is that there's healing available. Yes. And that mm-hmm. um, I think so often that maybe some people are listening to this, that perhaps they have something in their past that a conversation like this brings it up. Or maybe mm-hmm. they that for them, they've veered from God's word, that maybe they have had situations or experiences that they've made choices that, mm-hmm. you know, that that aren't God's best for them. Mm-hmm. And that I, I love how you bring up the fact that there is healing. Mm-hmm. There is healing. And. All of us, no matter where we're at or what choices we've made or what things have been done mm-hmm. to us that yeah. weren't necessarily our choice, um, that that God can restore us and mm-hmm. that all of us have the opportunity to allow our, our minds to be renewed by mm-hmm. replacing what we think about ourselves or what others have told us about ourselves or you know, whatever shame is there, replacing it with truth from yeah. his word and allowing our minds to really be renewed. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, I can just tell you in my background, I don't have sexual abuse in my background, Mm -hmm. but from my background and just some experiences I had, I have had a problem with worth my Mm -hmm. entire life. Mm -hmm. And so that has affected every aspect, including, you know, sex, someone Mm -hmm. who doesn't believe they're worthy. And so God has had to lead me through some experiences of just exchanging some of those lies you know, that I've believed all my life about who I am and my worth and exchanging those with his truth. So I love that, that no matter where we're at in our journey, whether we've been walking a long time with God, whether whether we're far away from him or whether we don't even know him at all, that we can come to him at, at whatever spot we're in. If that means entering into a relationship with him at salvation, or it means simply returning to him after we've been away from him for a season Um, he's there waiting with open arms and there's healing for us. Let's move on to point number three. 
And that is sex offers the potential for intimate oneness. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so this is one of my favorites, and that's mainly just because I do like to work in practicals a lot of the times. Um, so when I talk about potential for intimate oneness, that potential um, you know, is within a spouse relationship. Um, and I say potential because I don't think we often get there. Um, but one of the coolest things about sex is it's an opportunity for us to come together, our mind, body, soul, and spirit. So that's the only act we will ever engage in with another person on this earth where we are laying ourselves bare and um, whether it be in our physical nakedness and our emotional nakedness, um, there's just little you can hide in that experience. I know we try, but most of the time it's pretty obvious when we're trying to hide something. Um, so the word that's used in the Bible for sex is actually yada, and it means to know. Um, so often in culture, that's not what we see when we see sex. We see it as a very lustful thing. You know, if you watch I always refer to movies because it just breaks my heart to watch them sometimes. But if you watch a movie, so often sex is such a physical act. There's no engagement, whether it be emotionally or anything like that. It's just, I'm attracted to this person, so this is what I'm going to do with them. Um, but in reality, God talks about it as a way to know someone. Um, it requires incredible vulnerability and openness when we really want to engage on that level, though. Um, and so just like we talked earlier about, um, the first thing that Satan ever attacked was our nakedness. Um, and so... God originally created Adam and Eve to be completely naked and unashamed, um, but it was only after the fall that their eyes were opened and they did feel that sense of shame. So that's not God's will for us. Shame was never God's will for us. Um, he says that there's no condemnation in his presence. And so... Um, so anyway, so it's very common for us to hide those sins, um, those struggles and things like that from one another, but then that takes away from that opportunity for that oneness. Um, and it holds us back, like we talked about, from that true healing. If we're, if we're hiding our um, experiences or our sins or our struggles, we can't, and not giving them to the Lord or to another person, then we block off that part of ourselves. And I think that that's so often what we're going to do um, just in life as we continue just to be made in his likeness we will be able to engage in those greater levels of oneness if we're striving for that. But if that's not something that we're putting as a priority in our life, it's it's really hard to really engage in that oneness with someone because it really is a bearing of our soul. And if we don't know where we're at or if we're at a place where we're hiding a lot, we can't really engage in that in that deep level. Um, so that's why I say potential. I don't know that we'll ever reach the full potential of it, but I think that there is a lot of potential for even healing within the sexual relationship um, with your spouse. There's one verse, and I'm not going to remember it exactly, but where sex is actually used as a comfort in the process of grief, um, which is just bewildering to me to think about in the context of our culture. It would never be thought of as something that would be used as an actual healing act. But if there is that oneness and it's a thing that um, people can come together as spouses um, to love on one another, and that's truly what the act is for, then it does have that potential, in my opinion. Um, and so then just one verse, too, is um, from Song of Solomon, which is a great book if you're wanting to learn more about God's heart for sex. Um, he cries out, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Um, and I just believe he's calling us to come out of hiding and to engage in that vulnerability with him and with our spouse and just to um, trust him in that process, which is so difficult to go through if you've experienced any sort of hurt or have baggage just from um, things that we've experienced in the world, things we've learned about sex, which I think every one of us does. I just think it's a process of surrender that we go through um, in order to engage in that oneness process. Right. I think for many of us, if we know what God's word says about something and we've, 
you know, veered from it that we're afraid. Mm -hmm. We may feel just the shame or we feel like maybe God doesn't want us anymore. Um, But it says over and over in his word that we can be cleansed of our sin when we return to him and that we can't fix what's broken inside of us. We may not even know. Mm -hmm. We may have had things that happened to us that we have just buried down um, or choices we've made that we're ashamed of. And we may have just glossed over those and just tried to keep moving on. Mm-hmm. And we may not even know mm-hmm. how to even start, but the the best place to start is just to go to him and say, you know what? I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel broken. Lord, help me. Yeah. Bring to even mind what, you know, my brokenness. Um, one time I had this weird experience. This has nothing to do with, with sex, <laughs> but I had this experience where I just was feeling so upset and hurt inside. And I didn't even know why I was upset. It was bizarre. And I, I had these, this series of dreams where it's like God revealed these scenes from my life Mm -hmm. with people. And he revealed to me my wounds. And I didn't even, I don't have dreams a whole lot from the Lord. Um, some people might question that, but it was this experience. And I thought, wow, God knows everything about us. He Mm -hmm. knows exactly what to say or what to do to help us in whatever spot we find ourselves in. And so Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, so often we want to just hide or say, you know what, I'll get this all situated and then I'll go to God. But we can come messy and broken and bleeding and (laughs) a total mess. And he just, he'll, he'll walk us through the process of healing, whatever that is. Um, Amy, we're just going to conclude here by wrapping up and, and just summarizing again your points. But is there anything you want to add before we go ahead and wrap up? There is one quote I forgot to mention earlier that I love, um, and this is just an encouragement that as you learn about God's heart for sex, you know, my prayer is just that we would all be um, on fire just to reclaim um, his view of sex in our world. Um, and this is a word, the words from Chris and Rachel McCluskey from their book, When Two Become One, which is a great resource. It says, the church must take back sex and claim the truth that it belongs to God and it is good, but only when practiced within his guidelines. Our union as husband and wife bears testimony in the heavenlies to the promised consummation of Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. So I felt like in writing this, when I asked the Lord, what's the main thing you want to proclaim? I felt like he said, it's mine. Um, I don't think it often, unfortunately, looks like his anymore. We can't recognize that sometimes. Where's your goodness in this, Lord? Um, But it is his. It was his creation, and he is still working a good work through it today, even as we struggle in our brokenness and what that looks like. And so just encouragement, we can claim it back, and it is his. Very cool. I love that. So sex is God's. Okay. (laughs) So keep that in mind. Um, Let's just review the three points that we talked about with Amy. Sex is innately pure. That's how God created it to be, even though it has been distorted by the world. Um, He created it for our pleasure within the boundaries of his, of, of the marriage relationship. Number two, sex is powerful. Again, it can be used for good or bad. And then the last point, sex offers potential for intimate oneness. And how cool that God would give us that opportunity to be so connected with um, someone in a marriage relationship. So, Amy, thank you for joining us. I want to encourage you who are listening to tune in next week because we are going to be with Amy once again talking about the heart and how the heart can often lead us astray, talking about our desires and God's will and submitting those desires to God's will and why important to do that. And then we'll be wrapping up the session by just a frank talk to married women 
just some pointers for just having more fulfillment in our sex lives and maybe, you know, finding healing in areas we need or just some practical advice that Amy's going to offer us from her training again uh, in family counseling and sex therapy. So you do not want to miss those two episodes. I just want to conclude um, us in prayer, just wrap up and pray for all of you who are listening and thank Amy once again for being with us. Lord, thank you so much that you are very clear in your word what your plan is for sex. Just like everything else in your creation, you ordered and ordained even this area of our lives to function in a specific way. And it's when we align ourselves with your plan that you've given us and we align our thoughts with yours that we can find the most fulfillment and peace and joy in our lives. And Lord, even if we veered outside of your plan and we've made choices that are poor or others have made choices against us that we had no control over, there is healing. And I pray for the people listening that they would just be inspired to search your word for information about this area that they if they need healing that they would go to you that they would pray that you would put the resources in front of them that they need to find the healing or they would be inspired to go and speak to a counselor or a pastor or just let your light shine in this area that they may have been ashamed of before and so lord thank you once again just that you have people like amy who have studied and can share with us about this part of scripture and thank you, Lord, that you've given us the gift of sex, even if it's awkward or hard to talk about sometimes. Thank you, Lord, that you're a good God and that you give us gifts in our lives that go beyond just, you know, um, being able to show up in church and feel, you know, feel your presence, that you give us the gift of being connected to other people as well and connected to our marriage partner. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.